Hello, everybody. It's October 5th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. I'm your host, David McAdam, and I'm glad to serve as your tour guide. We are entering the season when the trees here in New England are beginning to reveal their glorious autumnal colors, and our town here in Concord will be receiving its share of tourists and leaf peepers, just as they come to take in the spectacular array of colorful foliage, as well as some of the relatively ancient history of our town. We will be taking in some breathtaking sights from both the Old and New Testaments in the Bible today. We will read of the history of Judah's spiritual rebellion and refusal to repent in the book of Jeremiah, and we will read of the supremacy of Christ and the victory he won for us by his perfect obedience. Whereas in the Old Testament passage, we read of the failure of Jerusalem, the city of peace. In the New Testament, we will read of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and how he makes peace for us by the blood of his cross, that is, the sacrifice of himself, providing a perfect atonement for our sin through his death as our substitute on the cross. So let's start out on today's excursion in our one-year Bible reading tour by going to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 4, beginning with verse 19, and we will read through to chapter 6, verse 15. Jeremiah, chapter 4, Anguish Over Judah's Desolation, verse 19. My anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. O the walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Crash follows hard on crash. The whole land is laid waste. Suddenly my tents are laid waste, my curtains in a moment. How long must I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish, they know me not. They are stupid children, they have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil, but how to do good they know not. I looked on the earth, and behold, it was without form and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and behold, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and behold, there was no man, and all the birds of the air had fled. I looked, and behold, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, The whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not make a full end. For this the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above be dark. For I have spoken, I have purposed, I have not relented, nor will I turn back. At the noise of horsemen and archer, every city takes to flight. They enter thickets, they climb among rocks. All the cities are forsaken, and no man dwells in them. And you, O desolate one, what do you mean that you dress in scarlet, that you adorn yourself with ornaments of gold, that you enlarge your eyes with paint. In vain you beautify yourself. Your lovers despise you. They seek your life. For I heard a cry as of a woman in labor, anguish as of one giving birth to her first child, the cry of the daughter of Zion gasping for breath, stretching out her hands. Woe is me, I am fainting before murderers. Chapter 5 Jerusalem refused to repent. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Look and take note. Search her squares to see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth, that I may pardon her. Though they say, As the Lord lives, yet they swear falsely. O Lord, do not your eyes look for truth? You have struck them down, but felt no anguish. You have consumed them, 
but they refused to take correction. They have made their faces harder than rock. They have refused to repent. Then I said, These are only the poor. They have no sense, for they do not know the way of the Lord, the justice of their God. I will go to the great and will speak to them, for they know the way of the Lord, the justice of their God. But they all alike had broken the yoke, they had burst the bonds. Therefore the lion from the forest shall strike them down, a wolf from the desert shall devastate them. A leopard is watching their cities, every one who goes out of them shall be torn to pieces, because their transgressions are many, their apostasies are great. How can I pardon you? Your children have forsaken me, and have sworn by those who are no gods. When I fed them to the full, they committed adultery, and trooped to the houses of whores. They were well-fed, lusty stallions, each neighing for his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord, and shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? Go up through her vine rows and destroy, but make not a full end. Strip away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have been utterly treacherous to me, declares the Lord. They have spoken falsely of the Lord, and have said, He will do nothing, no disaster will come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine. The prophets will become wind. The word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, Because you have spoken this word, behold, I am making my words in your mouth a fire, and this people would, and the fire shall consume them. Behold, I am bringing against you a nation from afar, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. It is an enduring nation, it is an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Their quiver is like an open tomb, they are all mighty warriors. They shall eat up your harvest and your food, they shall eat up your sons and your daughters, they shall eat up your flocks and your herds. They shall eat up your vines and your fig trees, your fortified cities in which you trust. They shall beat down with a sword. But even in those days, declares the Lord, I will not make a full end of you. And when your people say, Why has the Lord our God done all these things to us? You shall say to them, As you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve foreigners in a land that is not yours. Declare this in the house of Jacob, proclaim it in Judah. Hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? I placed the sand as the boundary for the sea, a perpetual barrier that it cannot pass. Though the waves toss, they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot pass over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say in their hearts, Let us fear the Lord our God, who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain, and keeps for us the weeks appointed for the harvest. Your iniquities have turned these away, and your sins have kept good from you. The wicked men are found among my people. They lurk like fowlers lying in wait. They set a trap. They catch men like a cage full of birds. Their houses are full of deceit. Therefore they have become great and rich. They have grown fat and sleek. They know no bounds in deeds of evil. 
They judge not with justice the cause of the fatherless to make it prosper, and they do not defend the rights of the needy. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord, and shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so, but what will you do when the end comes? Chapter 6 Impending Disaster for Jerusalem Flee for safety, O people of Benjamin, from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet in Tekoa and raise a signal on Beth Hakarem, for disaster looms out of the north and great destruction. The lovely and delicately bred I will destroy, the daughter of Zion. Shepherds with their flocks shall come against her. They shall pitch their tents around her. They shall pasture each in his place. Prepare war against her. Arise and let us attack at noon. Woe to us, for the day declines, for the shadows of evening lengthen. Arise and let us attack by night and destroy her palaces. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Cut down her trees, cast up a siege mound against Jerusalem. This is the city that must be punished. There is nothing but oppression within her. As a well keeps its water fresh, so she keeps fresh her evil. Violence and destruction are heard within her. Sickness and wounds are ever before me. Be warned, O Jerusalem, lest I turn from you in disgust, lest I make you a desolation, an uninhabited land. Thus says the Lord of hosts, They shall glean thoroughly as a vine the remnant of Israel. Like a grape-gatherer, pass your hand again over its branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised, they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. Therefore I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. Pour it out upon the children in the street and upon the gatherings of young men also. Both husband and wife shall be taken, the elderly and the very aged. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. And this concludes today's portion from the Old Testament from the prophecies of Jeremiah. Let's take a few moments to think about what we have just read. Jeremiah is in anguish. This is not a happy time in the history of God's covenant people. Judah failed to heed the warnings of God's prophets and failed to learn from the example of the northern kingdom's defeat by the Assyrians. Soon the armies of Babylon would destroy the southern kingdom of Judah. For my people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children and have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil, but to do good they do not know. Jeremiah chapter 4 Verse 22. The utter destruction that would come upon Jerusalem is described in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23, 
with the same Hebrew phrase found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, without form and void, tohu wabohu. Jeremiah 4, 23, I looked on the earth, and behold, it was formless and void, and to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and behold, they were quaking, and all the hills moved to and fro. Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. The prediction of the violent earthquake reminds us of Isaiah's prophecy and the Apostle John's prophecies of future shakings in the book of Revelation. Revelations chapters 6, 8, 11, and 16. In Isaiah chapter 24, verse 19, The earth is broken asunder, the earth is split through, the earth is shaken violently. Although judgment is severe, God promises that He will not execute complete destruction. In chapter 4, verse 27, chapter 5, verse 10, and verse 18, chapter 30, verse 11, chapter 46, verse 28. In God's wrath, He remembers mercy. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. Jeremiah often uses the image of a prostitute when describing God's people turning to other nations for help. Although she dresses herself up to attract other nations as lovers, the other nations will fail her and seek to destroy her. In Jeremiah 4, verse 30, the result of her infidelity will be painful consequences likened unto hard labor, a woman experiencing great travail in childbirth an image that Jeremiah uses often in his preaching. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 31, chapter 6, verse 24, chapter 13, verse 21, chapter 22, verse 23, chapter 48, verse 41, chapter 49, verse 22, and chapter 50, verse 43. Jeremiah will be a seer as God shows him pictures. He will also be an actor, Jeremiah will be called by God to deliver prophetic actions. He will perform approximately ten mini-dramas in the book. The first one is described in Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Jeremiah is called to search the city for a righteous man, asking whether the person practices justice and truth. Do your eyes look for truth? Jeremiah goes to the poor and does not find one righteous man. This reminds us of Abraham's intercession for Sodom in Genesis chapter 18, verses 22 through 33. He surmises that their disinterest in righteousness and truth is due to ignorance of God's law. They refuse to take correction or repent. Jeremiah then goes to the noble, the great, and the reportedly wise men of the city. These know the ways of the Lord and His ordinances. They cannot plead ignorance, yet they have broken off the yoke of the Lord. In their desire to be free from the revelation of God's righteousness with its constraints, they run free, only to be devoured by wild beasts, such as the lion, leopard, and wolf. What a drama! The Lord makes it clear that He will not pardon the unrepentant, but will bring punishment. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 7-9, through 9, The word of the Lord in Jeremiah's mouth is likened to a fire that consumes all that is condemnable in God's sight. In Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14, and chapter 23, verse 29, Jeremiah has this to say about the false comfort offered by the apostate religious teachers. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule on their own authority, and my people love it so. But what will you do at the end of it? Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. The people love the false comfort of the false prophets, yet their end is destruction. 
these false preachers fail to proclaim the holiness of God, the fatal disease of sin in the heart of man, and the reality of God's wrathful judgment upon sin from which Christ has come to save us, and the people love it so. Proverbs 14 verse 12 reads, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. In Jeremiah chapter 6, God sounds his prophetic trumpet, warning the people of Benjamin and Judah, the southern kingdom, that the Babylonians are coming. God is actually summoning the Babylonians to war against Jerusalem. Chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. The Lord directs the Babylonians to conduct a siege warfare, surrounding the city, cutting it off from supplies. He tells them what to do in chapter 6, verses 4 and 6, and verses 11 and 12, and why he is doing it in chapter 6, verse 10, and verses 13 through 15. He explains that even the priests and prophets speak falsely and are greedy for gain. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? They were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Now let's move on to the New Testament reading for today in Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, and we will read through to chapter 2, verse 7. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Chapter 2 For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And this concludes our reading from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Let's pause for a moment and take in what we have just read. Paul continues to describe the glories of Christ. He is the head of the body, in verse 18. He is the head of the new creation, the firstborn from the dead, alive forevermore, in verse 18. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily, in verse 19. Paul completes the list of seven of Christ's accomplishments. Number one, he created all things, in Colossians 1, verse 16. Number two, he has reconciled all things to himself, in verse 20, A and C. Number three, he has established peace through his atoning work, in which he shed his blood on the cross, in verse 20, B. And number four, he reconciled rebels such as ourselves to God by putting the old sin nature to death on the cross. Those who were formerly alienated from him, hostile in mind and engaged in evil deeds, can be born again with a new nature that is pleasing to God, the indwelling Spirit of Christ, in verse 21. Number five, he did this to present us before God, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Number six, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His Son, in verse 13. And number seven, He redeemed us, forgiving our sins, in verse 14. The Apostle Paul has a burden for the churches in the Lycus Valley, such as Hierapolis, Colossae, and Laodicea. The church of Laodicea and Hierapolis were most likely founded by some of Paul's converts while Paul was staying at Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, verse 10, we read, This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. These churches were being deceived by false teachers of Gnosticism. They saw Jesus as an emanation from God, an enlightened being, like an angel, having an appearance of a body, but not one like ours. The Gnostics advertised spiritual experiences and higher levels of secret knowledge called mysteries. These were only accessible to those who were properly initiated into their cult. Paul declares that the true mystery of God is fully disclosed in Christ. In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The best antidote against false teaching is familiarity with the true teaching. Money handlers are trained to recognize false currency by handling the genuine. Paul sums up the mission statement of a fervent disciple-maker in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. We proclaim Him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power which mightily works within me. May this also be said of us. Now let's go to our next stop in our Bible reading tour today, to the book of Psalms, and we will be reading Psalm 77, verses 1 through 20. 
In the day of trouble I seek the Lord. To the choir master, according to Judithun, a psalm of Asaph, Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and He will hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out with wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, Let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has His steadfast love forever ceased? Are His promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The psalmist is struggling in prayer, but then he remembers his song in the night. Psalm 77, verse 6. Is Jesus your song in the night? Is He your meditation? The reality of who God is and what He has accomplished in His Son will disperse the clouds of confusion and doubt. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have by your power redeemed your people the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Psalm 77, verses 12 through 15. How much more we have to think upon with the revelation of the finished work of Christ upon the cross. God's ways are beyond our knowing, like the ships in the sea who leave no path or footprints. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Psalm 77, verse 19. Nevertheless, He is a faithful guide and His word can be trusted. The Lord is our leader, yet the psalmist acknowledges that He often uses human beings as instruments to lead us. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 77, verse 20. Now let's move on to our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, the book of Proverbs, and we go to Proverbs chapter 24, verses 23 through 25 and the ESV titles this, More Sayings of the Wise. These also are sayings of the wise. Partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, You are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, 
and a good blessing will come upon them. These proverbs call for integrity in the halls of justice. To show partiality is not right. To disregard the wicked and call them innocent makes justice a sham and brings corrupt judges into disrepute. The standards of justice must be upheld in human courts. Those who make righteous judgments will be richly blessed. Let's pray together. O faithful God, you have been faithful to warn us, correct us, chastise us, save us, and lead us. You have spoken to us through the prophets. You have inspired us with the words of the psalmist. You have made known to us your full thought in the person of your Son, the living Word. We are so grateful for all that He is and all that He has done on our behalf. He has salvaged us so that we can appear before you as holy, blameless, and beyond reproach if we continue in the faith. Help us to stay true by steadfastly cleaving to the hope of the gospel. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to warn everyone we meet, teach everyone we can, all that we know about you, encouraging all to come to a mature expression of the one whose image is being restored in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we certainly have enjoyed a rich time of fellowship in God's Word today, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we continue to read from the book of Jeremiah and the book of Colossians and visit once again the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. We certainly have appreciated those of you who've told us of your fresh discoveries in the Word as you've been reading through the Bible with us, and also those who have sent prayer requests. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading, you can subscribe to a free email by going to our website, newlife.org. So until next time, may the Prince of Peace, who has made peace through the blood of his cross, establish your hearts and fill your hearts with the witness of peace through the Holy Spirit. Shalom. Shalom.